back to Guatney Unplugged, hosted by former motorcycle cop Scott Romine. And yes, he still has the boots. Still got the pants, too, and they still fit. Sure enough, Scott Romine here with Guatney Unplugged. We're talking with Peter Schellenberger. You are a third-generation pilot, and you're now an author. We're looking at your... Uh, children's book you just put together called crop duster pete I, i'm betting you're the star of the book yes that is correct so that effect that is so cool and and third generation pilot your parent your dad grandparents and, and were they all crop duster pilots technically my father and my grandfather were uh, crop dusters at one time back in wyoming they it was back before there was any gps and um, oh my gosh, it was very, very old school. My uncles would flag for them, and uh, they did a little bit of like sagebrush spraying back in Wyoming. I understand that getting into being a crop duster pilot is extremely difficult. Is that true? It, yes, it can be. It can be. It depends on how you approach it. Are there schools you go to just for that? Yeah, there are schools. There's uh, uh, ag specific schools you could go to, there's uh, probably three or four. Around the country, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's one in Canada as well. Oh, the uh, the planes are bigger in person. It seems like to me. I mean, is that so they can carry the weight of the chemical? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they range in sizes from 300 gallon uh, load carrying capability all the way up to 800. How long is a stint in the air that it would take to dump four or 800 gallons of this stuff? Typically, you're going to be in the air anywhere from like an hour to two hours. But that honestly, it depends on the size of your fields. If you have a nice big field, you can get it done pretty quick. But if it's a bunch of little fields, it's going to take you a lot longer. Now, is the stuff you're dumping like a vitamin to encourage growth or is it a pesticide to deal with insects? Most of it is a pesticide that is used, especially here in Arkansas and the Arkansas agriculture we have a lot of rice, and we use herbicide chemical to eradicate the, the weeds that are taking the nutrients away from the rice. And then, of course, there will be some that will kill the bugs, and we'll also get rid of fungus uh, to make higher yields at harvest time. Well, you know, it's so popular these days with organic foods. How difficult is it to spray one field and make sure you stray out of the one right next to it? That's got to be kind of hard to deal with or see in the air. Yeah, it's it's very difficult, and um, it just take you really got to pay attention. You really got to watch your wind, and you you really end up learning about what exactly that's doing behind you as you're putting it out. And there's certain things you can do to mitigate mitigate the risks of drift onto a susceptible crop. Yeah, because I mean it's a major no-no, right? To spray uh, mm, yes. organic field. Yeah, and and organic, like organic, we steer clear of organic. Like I mean, that's something that we. I mean, we just leave a big buffer off, and there's not as much not as much organic as you would think. We have a few organic farms near us, but that I mean, it's pretty consolidated, and we just steer clear of it for the most part. Do these crop duster planes have? Any kind of lineage that goes back, they seem to be more akin to like an old World War II fighter than a Cessna or a something like Is there any kind of lineage that goes back to something like that? Well, if, I rem- if my memory serves me right, I think one of the first crop dusters was a post-World War II aircraft. I can't remember. 
what it was. Or I, it might have been. It was before World War II. Okay. And it was. I think it was like a post-war aircraft they used. They you know retrofitted to put out uh, dust to get rid of gypsy moths or something like that. And then of course after World War II, most of your crop dusters were. Uh, old steerman trainer biplanes from World War II, and they just put spray booms on them and a spray tank and went to work. And you're constantly looking out for power lines. Do you, do you always go over them? Do you ever go under a power line? I used to. Really? Uh, yeah. That, I, I still do go under some, but they had to be really, really big. Back when I first started, I flew a pretty small airplane, and it was slow and a short tail, and I could fit under some pretty <laughs> short ones, and I was pretty dumb, too. And... <laughs> Now that I fly the bigger airplanes, they got really tall tails, and so I only go under the really, really big ones that have lots of room, and uh, only when necessary. So, I mean, it's legal to do that. I mean, it sounds like something out of Top Gun or something, you know, buzzing the tower, (laughs) flying under a power line. I mean, that's just, I guess, been part of it since the beginning. Yeah, you just do whatever is necessary to do a good application. Would these planes be like capable of doing aerobatic stunts if a, if a person wanted to? Would the thing fly upside down and all of that? I mean, it could it could appear to fly upside down. It would not, you know, the fuel would not fall to the top of the to to the top of the tank. You know, it would still stay at the bottom because of you know certain forces. But they could fly upside down, and and they're very very highly maneuverable, and you could do a lot with them now. I wouldn't really recommend it, but <laughs> Probably yeah, they are not. capable, very capable. I got to ask you, I mean, because it's everything's on the horizon. Is, is, is your job at some point a teenager flying a drone over a field, pushing a button and spraying this stuff? Is the airplane going to be replaced with something without a pilot at some point? It could, it's, a, it's a real possibility, yeah. I, I think it could. Right now they have... Right now, they already have that. Really? That's a, already a thing? Yes. It's, it's on a small scale, only about an 18-gallon tank, I believe. And it's it's got a long ways to go before it gets to, you know, these aircraft, you know, controlled from the ground rather than a pilot in the air. Because there's things that you can feel oh, while sure. you're flying yeah. that you're not going to feel if you are on the ground controlling it. And that's just, that's the human part of it. You're not, that's going to be really hard to replace and to do with an unmanned system. You have got one of the most exciting, fun-sounding jobs I can think. Well, I was a motorcycle cop, and that was incredible. But a lot of anything turns into a job at some point. I mean, is it there for you, or is it still just a huge thrill every day to do what you're doing? I'm 100% honest, it, it does become a job. It does become yeah, a job. There, there are, there are. Uh, what I say is the first hour of the day and the last hour of the day is what you live for, because the air's smooth, and in you know the first hour you're fresh, the air's smooth, beautiful morning, you get to see the sunrise, and then the last hour of the day, you know that your 14-hour day is coming to an end, and the air's also getting smooth again, and you're almost done. And those are the two best best times of the day. But, yes, it does become a job. How many times have you refueled, landed and refueled and refilled the sprayer up in a 14-hour day? This, doing spray, so liquid, it takes, you know, you're out for a little bit longer, probably You've been 10 in the to air. 14. How many hours of that 14 hours were you really in the air? Really in the air, probably about 13 yeah, wow. I mean, we don't spend a lot of time on the ground, maybe maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. 
Uh, when we are doing the dry application, putting out fertilizer, we'll do a lot more uh, rotations there. You'll make anywhere from like 30 to 60 landings in a day. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. So now you are also an author. You have written a book called Crop Dust Repeat. It's a children's book. What age group would you say uh, this would be? I would say between the ages of two and a half to six. Yeah, age range, I think two so. and a half to seven, maybe at the max. Yeah, my grandbaby Hazel, she's two and a half. She'll, yeah, she'll my, love that. My son is almost three, and or my youngest son's almost three, and and it's. It's perfect for and, him. And you did some of the artwork? Yes. About four or five of the illustrations I, I pretty much did the basics or did the base for, and then the illustrator finished. So I'm so excited for you because your children's book is called Crop Duster Pete. You guys can <coughs> Google that. Peter Schellenberger. And you are on all the big places now, Walmart and Amazon and all of this kind of stuff. Yep. I understand your wife really helped make this happen. Yes, she uh, she's the one that pushed me to get with the publisher. She found the publisher, and then she's the one that prodded me to go and make it happen. And, I, of course, I always turn to her and look for advice on, well, does this illustration look good? Should it say this? Should it say that? And uh, she's more of the refining part of it for me. You guys did a great job. I mean, it's full color. The inside of the book, it's all full color. Is it also available as a download somewhere? It will be available for ebook probably in about a month or so. They're working on the ebook currently. And uh, I understand you submit this to the publisher, only like 10% of manuscripts are accepted. That's what I've been told. That's what I've been told. I did not think it was a big deal when mine got accepted, but after hearing that, I now am pretty happy that I got accepted. Man, that's fantastic. Yeah. And and within a couple of weeks, I guess, they wanted to make your book. Yeah, it was within about, it was less than a month, and they, they responded and, and sent an offer. Man, that's fantastic. Peter Schellenberger, the book is called Crop Duster Pete, and you live right here in Ward, Arkansas. That's correct. That's awesome. And you can find it on Walmart and Amazon, anywhere else? Barnes & Noble, Thrift Books, and uh, that's it as far as I know is the big ones that will show up on Google. Man, thank you so much, Peter. Great to meet you. We'll see you guys next week on Guatney Unplugged. This has been Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Just don't worry. Like the Terminator, he'll be back.